We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Finkton. Are we still live? We're 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68. After that. Was the night before Thanksgiving here on the Field of 68 After Dark? And I'm feeling thankful for the day of college basketball that we just got to watch, my friends. We had so much action, and we're here to break everything we saw today down for you. I'm Greg Waddell. We got Tyler Hansbro here. We got Randolph Childress here. And there's no two people I would rather be here with tonight than these two. Gentlemen, we have a lot to get to tonight. As I mentioned, the Maui Invitational Championship was won. The Boilermakers hoisted the trophy there was certainly other action in Maui today as well. We had a great Kansas-Tennessee game. We've got Gonzaga-UCLA late tonight. We'll still be on the show while that's rocking. And uh, look, the battle for Atlantis is underway. Things are already getting interesting over there. So we have a lot to get to. Uh, RC, I got to throw it to you first, though, my friend. It's been a while since I've seen you. I said to you off camera, I think that you've been working harder than any man in show business right now. I've flipped channels and you're doing two games at once. Are you hanging in there right now? How you feeling? I'm good, man. I got a couple of days to recover. Last week was rough for a brother, but I'm good. I'm back. <laughs> it's good. You look fresher than ever. And uh, Tyler, I'm scared of you. I'm just going to call it what it is. You whooped my butt in ping pong at the Final Four. This is the first time I've talked to you since. I'm a little bit intimidated right now. But how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's a great day of college uh, basketball. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing in ping pong again for sure uh, next time we get up. <laughs> want to see how bad yeah, he, I think how, the line how might be. Got <laughs> Oh, God. The, the, the line may be Tyler minus 15 and a half, and that might be generous to me right now. But, uh, yeah, I can see there's a little smirk on Tyler's face today. His Tar Heels were victors today. They were able to come from behind and win a basketball game. Uh, my Michigan Wolverines, not so much. Don't worry. We're going to talk about both those games later in the show. But we have to open the show with the biggest result. We have the Purdue Boilermakers winning the Maui Invitational. This was the most loaded event in college basketball regular season history. And Purdue emerges victorious. This is Matt Painter's 
31st consecutive non-conference regular season win. The Boilermakers have been absolutely dominant in events like this, and they had a murderer's row of opponents to go from Gonzaga to Tennessee to Marquette and win in the decisive fashions that they did. Uh, I'm wildly impressed with this. Zach Eady was sensational, as he always is, 28 points and 15 boards. Tyler, we'll throw it to you first. Uh, dominance from a big man that I don't think we've seen, quite frankly, since you were playing college basketball. Has there been a better big other than you, other than Zach Eady, since you've played? <laughs> well, I, I don't think so. I think he's – I was telling somebody, I think he's one of the most dominant players in the past hundred years, it's hard to make a case that somebody's been more dominant than him. The only thing he really hasn't done is uh, won a championship. But I mean, Purdue is playing well right now, and also uh, Zach Eady deserves a lot of credit because a lot of those shots that he was making down the stretch, especially, uh, they were off balance touch shots. Uh, I thought he did uh, a really good job out in Maui. Yeah, it was fantastic. RC, what'd you see tonight? I think one thing we don't talk about with him is, you know, he's player of the year, candidacy, and all that kind of stuff. I think he's the defensive player of the year, and I don't think it's close. Um, I, I think he he dictates the game. He he makes team one-dimensional because you're not finishing in the paint over him. He doesn't foul, so you, you got to try to take advantage of the four to five minutes that he's not in the game. I think that's underrated. That's something that Purdue's gotten better at that's probably underrated of now they were able to sustain leads and maybe enhance them when he's out of the game. But his impact on the defensive end just changes the game. He makes everybody one-dimensional. I don't care what big you have, he controls the game. So there, there was a lot of talk about the Maui champion is probably deserving of being the number one ranked team in the country. I think there are some other teams out there you could throw in the mix. UConn looks great. Arizona looks great, to name a few. Resume-wise, it's hard to argue with what Purdue did this week. I don't want to know if you guys think they should be number one because I think that's pretty obvious at this point. I want to know if you guys think truly in your heart of hearts, is this the best team in this sport? RC, do you think that the Boilermakers are the best team in college basketball? You know what? I do. Um, I just think they got the biggest force that you just can't do anything with because he always fouls that big out. He fouls your first-teamer. He fouls your second team. He puts you in so much foul trouble, and he doesn't foul. And like I said, he's the best defensive player on the floor because of that. So Arizona gives me cause to pause. I, I think that their physicality and their backcourt could really hurt Purdue. Uh, I, but I just think he's just so dominant inside. I, I can't bet against him still control. I haven't seen anybody take the pain away from him yet. So I'm still – I think they're the best team. Tyler, I want your answer too. What do you think? Well, they're definitely deserving uh, to be called the best team right now. They've won every game. But also, I think uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have really improved this year, uh, giving them, you know, you know, I think they've made that jump from their freshman year to their sophomore year. And uh, they're going to have more experience. I think they're playing better. But also, uh, Lance Jones is another transfer from SIU. Uh, coming, that's provided them with a little bit of spark and is playing well for them at times. But, you know, the, the truth is, RC's right. I mean, they have the most dominant force in basketball right now. Zach Eady, he bails you out on offense. He changes every shot defensively. And a lot of those stats don't show up on the uh, stat sheet. The way he makes players when they come in the lane, just his size and his length, 
they shoot you know difficult shots or they have to change their shot which turns it into a low percentage shot no matter where it is but i will say this i want to see like if if Edie were to get uh, matched up with Kyle Filipowski, who can extend him and bring him away, make him guard that three-point line, a team like that, I think, uh, could make Purdue a little bit uh, vulnerable. But also, I think Purdue, when their guards get pressured, I think they have a tendency to get a little turnover prone. And I think that's a team like that can get out and apply a lot of pressure defensively and stretch Edie out on the court. I think that's going to be a team that's going to give them some problems later on. Yeah, there's certainly still some matchup concerns, you could say, with Purdue on paper, but it's hard to argue with the results. And man, I think you saw I think you saw every side of Purdue in this three day stretch, right? And ultimately the the reason they emerged victorious here is because their constant is a better constant than any other team has in college basketball. Zach Eady on a bad day is going to show up and give you 24 points, 12 rebounds. He's going to get to the line. He's going to make his free throws because he's great there. And like RC said, he's just fantastic defensively. He doesn't foul and he forces fouls on you. What makes Purdue special to me is they finally got a performance from their big four all in the same night tonight. And I'm including Lance Jones in that big four, but it's Braden Smith, it's Fletcher Lawyer, it's Lance Jones and Zach Eady. And we saw them win games along this run in Maui where Fletcher Lawyer struggled. He no-showed the Gonzaga game. And then he bounced back and was great against Tennessee when Braden Smith really struggled. And tonight, I thought you got all four of them on on the same night. And when that happens, I don't know what you do because suddenly the bench guys didn't need to play as much. If you look at those four, everybody played between 32 and 35 minutes of that group of four. If that happens consistently, it's watch out time for the rest of the country. I want to talk about the other team in this game, though. It was Marquette. Uh, I came away very impressed with the Golden Eagles in this game to trail early by double digits and just sort of hang around and then ultimately give themselves a shot to win late. Uh, to me, that speaks to the toughness, the maturity that this group has. And ultimately, it spoke to Tyler Kolick, who was phenomenal. He looked like the best point guard in the country today. 22, six assists, seven rebounds. RC, uh, do you feel better about Marquette than you did coming into this tournament with their performance these three days? I thought they were really good. And and I'll say this, too, about the whole tournament. I I, I don't think you should play three games back-to-back. And I don't think you should play two games within the 24-hour period in these MTEs. And that's all of them. I just think that's a bit much. I wish they would somehow space that out no matter what the cost is and make sure it's three games over four days and obviously those those two games not in a 24-hour period. Um, so space that out. But, I, you know, even today, I mean, if Marquette had won, we would be saying very easily they could have won. If we said we would be saying they're the number one team in the country. How would this game have been if Igadora didn't get in foul trouble early? And I know we're saying that against Edie, and that's that's something that he just does. But if he doesn't get too quick when he's able to stay, he was the one guy that was finishing with this float and his mid-range shot, you know, moving around off of, of, you know, Tyler's uh, Colex penetration. So um, I, I thought they were really good. I think they're top three in the country. That doesn't change. They, they were right there, but, you know, to win this game. So I, they didn't surprise me at all. Tyler, how do you feel yeah. about it? Well, I was impressed with Marquette when they smacked Kansas. I was surprised that they beat Kansas so handedly. Uh, so that's that really made me a believer in them. But you're right. Uh, Tyler Kolick's the best point guard in the country. 
great leader. And uh, also, uh, I really like Cam Jones' uh, game. I think he gets out, run, does a lot of different things for him. Great score for Marquette. They're also two more veteran players, have a lot of experience. Won the Big East last year. So I'm pretty confident with Marquette, and I think Shaka's got his team. Uh, the way they move without the ball is uh, something special with Mar Marquette and the way they get out and run. Uh, I really like watching that style of play. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely impressed with Marquette, and I think they, uh, they could be Final Four potential team if they all stay healthy. Yeah, I think on paper it's there for both of these teams. Right, you come away feeling really strong about the caliber of the depth, the high end talent, the offense, the defense, all of it. These are two very complete teams with experience and and star power. It's interesting to me though to to frame it this way because at the same time that we come away super impressed with these teams, there's an argument to be made. This should be the number one team and the number two team in the country. Come next week, Purdue number one, Marquette number two. I would have no issues with that based on what we've seen. At the same time, I do think it's a different conversation. When we look ahead and say, well, these could be national championship teams, because that's sort of the elephant in the room with both Shaka Smart right now in the last 10 years and with Matt Painter in this golden era of Purdue basketball, they've had great regular season teams. Look no further than these groups last year. Big 10, Big 10 tournament champions, Big East, Big East tournament champions. Neither one of these teams made a sweet 16. So uh, to throw that back to you, RC. Did you see anything this week that makes you feel like this could be the year when we get to the finish line, that these teams make a deeper run, that maybe something's different than it's been in the past when these teams have struggled in that situation? Yeah, Tyler, you, you'll know this because you've done it. And it's you just don't go from nothing and then go win a championship. There's levels to what you do when you get up there. You got to be able to learn. You get to a certain point because sometimes, you know, when you get to a certain situation, your expectations may be coming in and they're going, hey, you know what, we just got to win a conference championship. It's been, it'd be like Marquette came out of nowhere and won it. So we're sitting in there, return a lot. Then you're thinking, all right, next year, we know with all the pieces we have coming back that we can go win a national championship. So I think, yes, both teams – Great year last year, disappointed finish, but the core of their teams is back. I, I, I think that redemption is just something that they're riding with this year, and I, I expect both of those teams to be right there in Phoenix. Yeah, and uh, one thing I always look for, teams that have championship potential, is I'm a big believer in veterans. And we saw this last year uh, in the Final Four, especially with San Diego State and how old their team was. Uh, these teams have had time to build uh, and grow with each other. I think uh, even though they're sophomores, uh, you're talking about Fletcher Lawyer, I do think that year of experience is definitely going to help them. And I don't think anybody expected Purdue to be as dominant as they were last year or Zach Eady to be as dominant and improve his game the way he did. So I think Purdue kind of caught people off guard and their youth made them uh, vulnerable in the tournament especially. But uh, Marquette, I'm a big believer in Tyler Colick, veteran player. Cam Jones can get out there and do that. And their big man's playing well as well, uh, too. Yeah, for anybody out there who's looking at these two teams and wants to play the angle of, well, it's, it's regular season, it's not March. I will buy all, all the stock in these two teams that I can. And uh, one quick stock or, or stat on this Purdue team. Since December 9th, 2020, 
Purdue is 33-3 and in their last 36 non-conference games. Wins against North Carolina, Villanova, Marquette, Texas, Gonzaga, Duke, Xavier, Tennessee, Gonzaga again, and Marquette again. The three losses, gentlemen, North Texas, St. Peter's, and Fairleigh Dickinson. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's fascinating to watch. We'll be back after the break on After. College basketball season kicks off this week, and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats, and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with Three Man Weave, Heat Check CVB, and Verbal Commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, from the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
We are live on the Field of 68 After Dark Thanksgiving Eve edition. I got Randolph Childress, the legend, with me. I got Tyler Hansbro, the other legend, with me. I'm just Greg Waddell, but I sure am happy to be here breaking down a great night of college basketball with these two lovely gentlemen. We just talked about Purdue's impressive run to the title game. We talked about Marquette, who we were also impressed with. Here's two other teams I'm impressed with, gentlemen. The Maui Invitational field was just loaded. Kansas defeats Tennessee in the third place game. Uh, I, look, a bounce back game that I think was much needed from Kansas. And if you listened to Hunter Dickinson's post game interview on the court, there was a look in this man's eyes that was like, yeah, we needed this one. And I haven't always seen that from him through the course of his career. Uh, they get it, a 69 to 60 victory over Tennessee. Uh, Dickinson was phenomenal. 20 rebounds from the Kansas big man, 17 points to go with it. And uh, ultimately in this one, Kansas got some help from guys they haven't gotten help with in all of their games this season. They had a little more production from the bench. McDowell with seven points and two threes. Uh, Furphy came in 11 minutes. He didn't miss a shot from the floor. It just felt to me like the depth that wasn't there in some of their losses had some positive moments in this game. RC, did you see that tonight? They need their bench because that's what their perimeter shooting is. And like tonight, they only made, what, four threes and uh, uh, and three of those four came from the bench. Like that starting lineup, you know, we joked about this at the at the Champions Classic. You know, Dwayne Harris is making five threes a game. I mean, he may not have another game this season. He steps up when he need when they need it, and he's a gamer. But uh, this team needs, to, you know, to it's all you were always in a game with them because they it's a battle of who controlled the paint. This was a this was a rock fight from the beginning, and Kansas was just a better team. One because they had a closer in Hunter Dickinson; he was the best player on the floor. I thought that was the difference between these two teams. Yeah, they're uh, like on paper, it's very fascinating to step back broadly and look at this team because I think Kevin McCullough has been as good as you could possibly imagine coming into this season. He's made the jump forward. Hunter Dickinson is who he is. He's an All-American level big. We knew that. Dewan Harris has some ups and downs, but there's not a better floor general other than Tyler Kolick in the country, in my opinion. It really comes down to are there going to be other guys who step up? And tonight, uh, at least in the front court, K.J. Adams did. 13 points, four rebounds to go with it. He was on the floor for 34 minutes. And uh, to me, he is one of the swing pieces here because the rest of Kansas's guys are very inexperienced. K.J. Adams, we know he's tough. We know he's an athlete. We know he's physical. And tonight the production came with it. Did you like what you saw from K.J. tonight, Tyler? I did. But to your point is I like K.J. Adams for what he is. I don't think he's going to be a – focal point of anybody's offense. I think what he does is he does a lot of dirty work. He gets offensive rebounds. He fights. He battles. Uh, he does things like that. But those are winning plays. And uh, a lot of a lot of times that doesn't show on the stat sheets. But also the thing for Kansas, I think Hunter Dickinson is playing much better uh, now than he was at Michigan. I mean, this guy uh, comes into Bill Self's offense and just right away he looks like a calmer player. He actually looks like he's expanded his game. He looks comfortable on the top of the key. Also, I think he's gotten much better, more confident at the three-point top of the key shot, which is big for them. Uh, but, you know, RC kind of said that their depth for Kansas is a concern and it is where their shooting, uh, you know, happens to be. But you've got to play your bench in non-conference games, especially early in the year. 
uh, to expect them to have an impact uh, later on down in the year. So uh, I think that's smart by self trying to get his bench more involved and you're seeing the production with it. That's going to be key for them. Tyler, Tyler no I want to ask else... you. Go ahead, RC. Go ahead. No, I, I was getting ready to no, say, you got... in this starting lineup, they're only, they only shot like five or six threes. The starters did. And Hunter Dickerson took two of them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It... They, they just don't. It's, it's, that's hard to do. Like, he's the best three-point shooter in that starting lineup. I know, but I like the top of the key three-pointer uh, three for the big man. I think that can be a great tool, and he's added it to his game. But, again, you pull Hunter out from the three-point line, I mean, from the paint. I'm not a big fan of taking your you know, your best big and spreading them out behind the line. But, uh, in a way, it's kind of ancient basketball, and I'd like to see it working a little bit, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is in the modern day. I agree with you, R.C., I want to ask you this, Tyler, because I'm fascinated by the psychology of this whole experiment in the transfer portal era. I am so familiar with Hunter Dickinson and his team struggles. I'm a Michigan fan. I watched it for three seasons, right? I saw him constantly produce. I saw I, this isn't any Hunter bashing. This is truly a like I want to I want to perspect someone who's lived it. I thought Hunter was fantastic his entire tenure in a Michigan uniform. I thought the surrounding pieces really left a lot to be desired and it wasn't the perfect fit. I thought it made a lot of sense for Hunter to leave. In fact, I speculated it would happen. It did happen. I'm happy for him. He got the bag, right? It worked out. I find myself almost kind of sad for him that he has landed in a spot that has a lot of the same issues he transferred away from. Like th this team does not have enough shooting. He's playing full-time, 34 minutes tonight from a four that can't shoot. He's playing with a point guard who doesn't want to shoot. So, I, like, th that was such a large issue for him at Michigan was he was facing double and triple teams, and nobody respected the perimeter game. And uh, if you want to go further than just the shooting, like, it, it was an issue last year that Michigan was playing four on five. I mean, call it what it is. Whoever Michigan was playing at power forward was not a high-caliber Big Ten-level starter. And I think Kansas has some of those issues right now. Outside of K.J. Adams in the big three, I don't think they have a fifth guy who is ready. So from my perspective, I'm kind of baffled that he willingly chose to enter into another situation in a roster like this. And I'm curious to you, Tyler, as a guy who went through this at the highest level in college, how much does fit with personnel truly matter? Because your final years, when you were championship-level good – you, you had talent and fit. You had all of it. Earlier in your career, I'm curious if you would say that you noticed a difference fit-wise that may have affected both the team and your individual performance. Well, first of all, I, I don't think there's, you know, you can make an argument that Bill Self is, a, is the best, one of the best big man coaches out there in college basketball right now. I think his high-low offense and the freedom he gives his bigs is special. All that in itself is appealing to go to Kansas. But I don't think, listen, I don't think Kansas, the way you just described them, I'm looking, I think, you know, McCullough to me is a, I mean, he is a very good player, extremely talented. And I know you're talking about the lack of depth, but I think this team for Kansas, even with their lack of depth, I think they're a contender. I do. I believe that. And I think Bill Self can get it done. I mean, you know, Harris was Defensive Player of the Year last year in the Big 12. 
Uh, so, I mean, you know, they're going to have to find shooting some way. I mean, I don't know if you can build some guys up uh, with getting them minutes and also getting them confidence and, you know, kind of allowing them to make mistakes uh, and continue to play them. But, uh, you know, I, I think Kansas is an appealing place, obviously, but I don't think Hunter looked into it and thought that, I'm not sure I can win at Kansas. I'm sure Bill Self had a way of telling him, if you come here, we can be a championship team. Uh, and so I think that was appealing to him in, in some capacity. But, I mean, Hunter's a different player to me. I think he's playing much better than he did in Michigan. And like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a big guy on fifth-year guys. I think, you know, fifth-year guys are extremely valuable and veteran players. So, obviously, that experience helps. Let's talk the Tennessee side of things here. Dalton Connect, fantastic in first halves in this Maui Invitational. Really hit a wall at halftime. Whether that's cramps, whether that's something else, I don't know. RC, what did you see from Connect? Clearly he's a high-level guy, but uh, struggled in second halves. Why did that happen? Well, I, again, we talked. I mentioned that earlier. I'm not a fan of three games in three days. Like, I think that's hard to do. Um trying to play certain, you know, a high level minutes against the competition these guys played. So I, the concern that I have for Tennessee going forward is if Connect is the guy, and as much as we talked about him in the past, then he's got to show up and make plays to close games. Like if, if, if he doesn't, then what's the difference between this year's team and last year's team? I know they got Vescovi. They, they, they got an issue with point guards, but they got to figure out do they want when, you know, when Ziggler gets healthy, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to play him? It's him or Ganey. Ganey gives you a ton of offense, but Sakai is the anchor that he starts it with his defense, and he does. I don't know. We said this before. They're a defensive-oriented team. Then they got to come in with their offensive guys off the bench. How you mix that, you're giving one without the other, and that's my concern. I thought Connect was the guy that was going to be the offensive playmaker, the closer for him, and and I'm not I'm not hard on them because of like I said three games in three days. But if they're going to get to their destination in Phoenix and possible win in Natty, then he's got to step up and be that dude. Tennessee struggled from three tonight, nine for thirty three. How much of this was just legs? Like RC saying, hit a wall, third game in three days. But not just that, they played Zach Eady yesterday, guys. Like that's yeah, that's a yeah. different challenge than just three games. How much of it was that? I, I think but that he, had a lot to do with it. it. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that's it. I think that is it, right? I think it's three games in three days. But we can say that as a, as a perimeter guy with legs, but we got to be honest. It's still a – you got to figure out when you have a style like both of these teams. Talk about Kansas and Tennessee. Both of them are physical. They're tough teams. The difference in this game, which we know, was, was Hunter Dickinson. But they got to go to their bench to guys to integrate offense. And then when they do that, they're not as good defensively. They don't, they're not as athletic. And I think they struggle because of that. Yeah, I think RC makes a good point. You know, three games in three days, I mean, that's difficult to do. And especially, you know, a guy like, you know, Ziegler, I'm looking at his stat line. You know, he went for over. I mean, there's a lot to be said from a guy who just is coming back from an ACL injury. And then having him play three games, you know, in three days uh, is a difficult task. And it does make uh, players vulnerable to injuries. I can tell you that. Uh, but um, I don't think you also you get much of an argument uh, from many college coaches. Hey, we, let's spend some extra time in Maui or some of these tournaments. I think that's actually kind of appealing. 
so maybe they figure out how to kind of stretch these games out a little bit, give the guys a little break. But, you know, lack of legs has a lot to do with it. But also Kansas played three games in three nights, so it's hard to make that, uh, you know, excuse for uh, Tennessee uh, as well. Rapid fire, who do you trust more for the remainder of the season, Kansas or Tennessee? Tyler, we'll go to you first. Kansas, not even close. Uh, I think Kansas has more experienced players. I like Harris, Defensive Player of the Year last year, and I love the way Hunter Dickinson is playing right now. But also McCuller, to me, is a guy that uh, is going to be a key factor for them. And uh, K.J. Adams, you know, I know he's not going to just, you know, fill up the stat sheet, but he does a little things to make uh, winning plays. Kansas. Kansas. One word answer? Yeah. I, okay. yes. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I still like Tennessee. I think they're a dangerous team. I just don't know when they got to sacrifice some of their identity for offense. And when you have to do some of that, then you're vulnerable. And, it, and I need Connect yeah. to step up and be that guy. Rick Barnes certainly is sacrificing some of that to allow Connect to do what he's doing. Hey, coming up, we're going to talk about the battle for Atlanta. That's next here on the Field of 68 After Dark. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD200 and you will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly when placing your first wager of at least $10 with BetMGM. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD200. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game, regardless of sport. You will receive $200 in bonus bets, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure that you use the bonus code FIELD200 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, Parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We are live on the field of 68 after dark. It's Wednesday, November 22nd. We are 30 minutes away from Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody watching. I got Tyler Hansbro here. I got Randolph Childress here. Hey, Psycho T, your team was in action today at the Battle for Atlantis. Uh, North Carolina down six points at half to Northern Iowa. They were 12-point favorites in this game. That's a bit of a wake-up call. Well, what did they do? They hung 56 points on them in the second half. Run away with the game. 91 to 69 is the final. Uh, simple as this, Tyler. I have one question for you. What the heck happened tonight? Well, I'll tell you, the first half, it's a tell of two halves. I mean, the first half, I wanted to rip my TV down and throw it out. I was so pissed the way they're playing. 
I just didn't feel like their effort was there. I, and at one point, I felt like, hey, man, these guys are still on the beach. Uh, but uh, I don't know what was said or what Hubert did at the halftime, but they came out a whole different team. And I got to give Cormac Ryan credit. I thought he came out, played unbelievable to start the second half, brought the energy, and uh, it was kind of contagious. The rest of the guys caught on. And I know Armando didn't have his best game, but uh, I think Harrison Ingram has been playing extremely well for this team, and he gives him a whole different dynamic. He can play pretty much, you know, one through four, uh, in my opinion. Uh, makes them, they can go small with him and, you know, do different lineups. But I think the second half, clearly they busted it open. And also, you and I played, you know, Northern, uh, you know, Iowa played unbelievable in the first half. Uh, I didn't know how they were one and two. I thought they played uh, a very good first half, but yeah, I think they uh, they turned it up in the second half. RC Elliott Cadeau, fifteen points, three assists off the bench tonight. He's a guy people love. What'd you see from him? Uh, you know what? I wondered. He was a little more aggressive on the offensive, and he made he made shots on the perimeter. I, I think the key to all those guys is trying to figure out. Huber's trying to figure out who he can trust. Um, and I, I, the biggest difference you could tell when they came out in the second half was who going to sit down and guard somebody. They weren't, you know, and that's that, that initial starting lineup. You got to rebound better. They, they, they gave up re offensive rebounds early in the game. Um, I like Carolina. I think they'll be there when it all, when it's all said and done and it matters, they'll have a chance. Um, but it's got to start on defensive end. It looked like early on, they didn't play. They weren't making shots, so they didn't defend. Came out the second half. Although they defended, they made shots. Ball was moving, popping around. And Cormac Ryan, I'm a big fan of his. They got to figure out. I think he needs to be the guy to be the third score for them. RC, you say they'll be there when it's all said and done. What does that mean? Conference wise, I'm not ready to say they're final <laughs> four. They, they have experience to do it. I ain't going there. I ain't. I don't think they're on a level with Mark. They do. Conference wise, I think they'll be there. I think I, they'll be better than what people give them credit for. I'm not ready to say Phoenix yet. I haven't seen enough out of them yet to put them in that category. Okay. I was just checking. I want to make sure we're on the same yeah, page on this with the target. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Let me be clear on that. <laughs> okay. I'm with you, RC. I don't want to. Hey, hey. I want Tyler and this to talk about. I'm, a, I'm talking about Carolina. I'd be the only person on the Carolina the Final Four bandwagon. Nah, I ain't doing me like that. <laughs> After what we went through last year with those expectations, we don't want them this year. No. We want them. <laughs> no. Expectations, both a blessing and a curse, clearly. Uh, Tyler, change to the starting lineup in this one. Seth Trimble started. He got 12 minutes. Uh, look, box score-wise, pretty empty. Uh, I'm happy to listen if you have uh, insight to maybe he did something that didn't show up in the box score. I don't know. Uh, should Seth Trimble be starting for this team? What's the lineup that you want to see? Like RC said, I mean, Hubert's still trying different lineups to see who he trusts. Uh, you know, last year there were some spurts where Seth Trimble came in and played very well. And, uh, you know, the one thing that uh, Hubert's doing is he's playing the bench more this year and he's playing them early. And I think we went through some injuries uh, a few games last year where the bench wasn't really getting minutes early in the season. We expected them to come in and fill some big roles uh, midseason, which is a tough task to do. But, uh, you know, I, I believe in Seth Trinity. He's athletic. He gets out. He's a very good defender. 
Uh, I think he's improving. I think if you give him more minutes, I think his confidence will go up. And maybe we'll see some other things that we uh, necessarily haven't seen. Some maybe some scoring or some outside shots go in. Uh, but yeah, I mean, still kind of early on Seth. We'll see. Yeah, uh, certainly a kid with a lot of promise. Final question from me on Carolina. Back to you, Tyler. This isn't the first time they've started slow this season. Is this something psychology-wise that you think may just sort of stick with this team? Or is this a small sample size? We don't have to worry about it long term. No, I do think it is a concern. The reason I say that is because this team hasn't played well on the road in the past, especially the prior two years. And I think it's something psychological. I don't know if they get you know thrown off by a different routine. Some players, you know, they have a very strict routine, and when they can't do it, you know, you know, when they're on the road or something like that, it tends to mess with them. But they've got to figure it out. Neutral games and away games, they've got to figure out how they can get off to better starts uh, because they can't expect to do that against better teams, especially in the conference. And, uh, you know, seeding-wise for the tournament down the stretch, it's going to be a big factor. We're going to stay in the battle for Atlantis here. I want to move to Villanova, who got a nice win over Texas Tech today. 85-69, to 69, excuse me. Uh, Nova had the bad loss to Penn a couple weeks ago. They have flipped it around quickly, a blowout win against Maryland, and now a decisive win over Texas Tech. Uh, Eric Dixon led the way tonight with 19 points and six rebounds. RC, was the Penn loss just a blip, or is that something you're still concerned about at this point? I, I'm I'm not. I, I, I just think they're too experienced. I, I, am, I was concerned about them on the defensive end. Uh, of the floor, and I still have some concerns. I think some of that, it's it's just error they'll fix up. I think they do too much rotating and switching sometimes, and it, it catches them. And, and when they're switching like they are, they sinking in big time, and teams are punishing them or skipping it to the opposite corner. And when you switch in five, you don't need to help as much on that weak side. They're giving up skip threes, and, and that hurt them against Penn, and Penn took advantage of it. I thought Texas Tech knocked down some threes tonight that they didn't have to rotate as much as they did. So I think it's just some minor adjustment with guys that don't know. That's just, you know, from Hart to Tyler Burton to to to, to Bomb. But guys are just transferring in there, trying to figure out, you know, lock in on the style of play for how they play. I like this team. My style. Uh, I think the only thing that concerns me about them is that they don't the ball don't move as much, but they just they play like an NBA style of basketball. They're gonna identify a matchup. They're going to pick on it, and then that's how they're going to play. You come in, the guards are big, they post you, you come in double, they, they kick it out. So I, when it all said, Matt, said and done, this is a team that I will be. If I had to pick a surprise team that can make a run, this is the team that I'd pick. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, Tyler, uh, there were a lot of praise praises thrown on Villanova's transfer class that was incoming this offseason, TJ Bamba, Tyler Burton, Lance Ware. Uh, all these guys, certainly good basketball players. Everybody finished in single digits tonight. It was Justin Moore and Eric Dixon, the returnees that carried the way offensively. Are you underwhelmed? Because I'm a bit underwhelmed with this transfer class right now. I don't think they're having the offensive impact I thought they might have when they signed up for a Villanova uniform. Quite yet. Uh, I mean, they are a veteran team. But also to expect a bunch of transfers to come in, and right away to kind of gel, I mean, that's hard to do. That's almost impossible. I think they're kind of figuring themselves out right now, uh, you know, through, you know, there hadn't been that many games. But I think as the season continues to go on, I think this team will gel and they will figure it out. 
But also, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of switching absolutely everything one through five. Uh, I just never liked that style of basketball. But, you know, I'm not worried about Villanova. Okay. All right. Uh, Jay Wright's still coaching? Is that we're just not worried about him? Jay Wright's still there? I feel like there got to be a little bit of concern, <laughs> fellas. What are we doing? Well, I, I only say that because he's right about it. It's just the experience level for me. I think they get a veteran group of guys. And that does bother people come tournament time. Now, I do think they got to adopt more of a defensive mentality. I, I do think that. These guys got to want to guard a little bit more than, than they do. If they all commit to locking in, just competing more on a defensive end, and in the way they play offensively, they're just picking matchups and attacking your weakest defender, whether it's a big or it's your point guard. They're going to put them in ball screens. The guards are going to post them. Dixon will pop and face your big. So they just attack matchups. So, uh, you know, everybody say what they want. A lot of teams are relying on systems, and they're just relying on their personnel. And I, I like their personnel, and I'll definitely like it in, in, in March. Yeah, they have a good roster, that's for sure. All right, the final uh, for this segment, the final game from the Battle for Atlanta, I want to talk about Memphis defeats Michigan. They were up as many as 16 points in the second half. Michigan made a furious comeback. Ultimately, it was not enough. Uh, Ashton Hardaway, by the way, two points on the season, 17 points tonight, five three-pointers made. I don't know who saw that coming. I certainly did not. RC, was this win more about Memphis being good or Michigan being bad tonight? I came away impressed with Memphis. I, I was I wanted to see for the last couple of years, Memphis we know has always been a, a really good defensive team. You know, since Penny's been there. That that's where they hang their hat. I think now I don't know if he has the guy like he had Davis a year ago. I think he has multiple guys that can score it though. So it's not gonna be, you know, one guy we're relying on to get us 20, 20, 25 points a game. I think it'll be what we saw tonight. Someone will step up, and it'll be that person's game offensively, and I'm okay with that. I like this team. I think they're deep. You know, even with bigs, they throw they throw Brown out. They got dangerous. They, they got multiple wings. Like I said, it's going to be a different guy offensively. They're going to be a dangerous team, and they're going to have to be build this resume because I don't know how much competition they're going to have in conference outside of FAU. Yeah, they had 10, they had 10 guys play double digits tonight, yeah. five starters. All five of them for Memphis have now played at three different schools in their college career. I mean, this is a team with a ton of experience, just a ton of miles on them as far as college basketball players. Uh, Tyler, what did you see from Memphis tonight? Play guys, but also like, uh, yeah, like RC said, uh, defensive team. Uh, I love that aspect. Uh, they, also, they actually shot the ball pretty well from the three-point line, uh, but – you know, and they also kind of contained uh, Doug McDaniel for uh, Michigan somewhat because he's been playing unbelievable. They contained him, uh, so they did a good job with that. But, yeah, yeah, like R.C. said, this is a big win for them because their conference isn't that strong. From the Michigan side of things, Juwan Howard was back on the bench tonight. Phil Martelli was still the acting head coach, but it was great to see Juwan healthy enough to be with the team. It's been a while since seen that uh at the same time rc i feel obligated to ask michigan had some things rear their ugly head that have not happened this season until Juwan howard's back on the sideline uh they were not able to get out in transition at all the way they have in the first four games of the season they've been a slow team historically under Juwan howard was that because Juwan howard was back on the bench tonight or was that just an anomaly and 
uh, a result of how the game played out. I, I I don't know how much he offered. I mean, who knows? I think him being there, he he, he still you know relegated. It like Martelli was still making all the calls. Um, they they were right there. I mean, they, you know, so it's hard to say. You know what they they, they haven't been as disappointed. I don't think anyone expected them to be great this year. So I think they're still going to be better than we all thought they were. That, that we thought they were going to be. All right. Well, coming up on the Kilo 68 after dark, we're going to talk about the thrilling Arkansas double overtime win against Stanford and much more. That's next after the break. College basketball season kicks off this week, and there is no better way to get prepared for the wild finishes, the bad beats, and the total unpredictability of the sport that we all love than by purchasing access to the Almanac, a project that we at the Field of 68 partnered on with Three Man Weave, Heat Check CBB, and Verbal Commits. Unlike last season, the Almanac is no longer a PDF. Rather, it is a website that features more than 1,500 words on each and every one of the 362 Division I teams in college basketball. We wrote more than 800,000 words in total. We spoke to every single Division I head coach to get a feel for the rosters, the rotation, the projected starter lineups, and what they think their team is going to look like this year. For everyone, from the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, they deserve to be covered like they matter. And over at the Almanac, that is precisely what we do. Access costs just $19.99 for the year and can be purchased at the link in the description below. And now, back to our show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In the final game for the Battle for Atlantis today, we had a thriller. Arkansas defeats Stanford in double overtime. We are live here on the Field of 68 After Dark with Randolph Childress and with Tyler Hansbro. Uh, everybody expected Arkansas to win this game. They were the favorites. They trailed for much of regulation in this game. Ultimately, they emerged victorious by three points. But, I mean, man, the margins were thin in this one. Quite honestly, I don't know how they did it. Uh, shooting 15 more free throws than their opponent might be where it starts. RC, 
how did they get this win? What happened with Arkansas here? What did I miss? I this is the way they got to play to me. You know, this is this is they're not a pretty they don't play a pretty style of basketball. They're defending. They're using their length, their athleticism. They're trying to out athlete you. Um, they 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 weren't a great shooting team a year ago, and they're not this year. So um, I, I just think it's just a team that we trust. With Musk is one of those those coaches we just give uh, credit to that we know he's going to get more out of his group when it matters. But uh, they didn't play a pretty style last year. I mean, they struggled. To sh- they couldn't shoot the ball a lick last year. I think they're we expect them to be a little better with that this year. Uh, they just hadn't been much better. Tremont Mark was brilliant tonight. Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say brilliant. He totaled 25 points in 41 minutes. He was 6 for 15 from the floor. That's still a lot of missed shots. But uh, to me, he was the alpha tonight on a team that didn't really have an alpha. Tyler, do you believe in Tremont Mark enough to be the best player on a great team? No, I think Trayvon uh, Brazil's their best player. Uh, I think actually late in the game, Brazil was the one making a lot of free throws. I think Martin can be a, I meant Mark can be a huge factor. Uh, but, you know, like RC said, this was actually a pretty ugly game. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, I thought Stanford might pull it away. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Jared Hassan, played for him at UNC. And, uh, you know, I kind of questioned the call also to end regulation. I thought the guy was straight up. Uh, but, you know, after the first overtime, I didn't think there's any way to go into the second overtime. And they had that heave that went in, and it was an exciting game. Yeah, I, I would argue that was the most thrilling game of the day to actually watch. Mm-hmm. So uh, that says a lot, given how great the Maui Invitational games were. Uh, we'll be fascinating to see where Arkansas goes from here. We have a couple other results that we want to get to tonight. Virginia survives against West Virginia. This was a closer game than you might have expected. Uh, RC, I'll throw to you first on this one. Virginia has been rocky to say the least in the last week and a half. How much has your confidence dipped in Tony Bennett's squad? Listen, (laughs) just like I just said about Muss, I I ain't counting Tony Bennett team out. Like I'm just, I'm not there yet. I'm not doing that. They just, they just find ways to win. What I would, what I will say is I thought they would be better offensively this year. I thought they'd be a lot better on the offensive end of the floor. They're struggling right now. Uh, you know, their offenses, when they need a bucket, they got to go to Reese Beekman and, he, you know, kind of making plays for them. And uh, I thought Groves was going to do uh, – it was going to be a, a bigger offensive feature for them. But when Tony Bennett, if you don't freaking guard, you don't play. So, you know, th- th- that's a simple thing to figure out if it, why isn't it playing as much as he should or whatever. Um, I, I'm just – I won't count them out yet, but, again, they're, they're, they're struggling for offense right now. Yeah, I feel like all offseason the narrative was like, is Reese Beekman actually the guy or not? He's had a lot of love from NBA circles uh, this season. He's got a couple single-digit performances tonight. He had 12 points. Uh, Tyler, do you believe in Reese Beekman's ability to carry this team offensively the way it clearly needs him to? He's going to have to. I I don't think there's much of a choice there. Uh, But I'm with RC. I'm not counting Tony Bennett's team out. I I don't ever think that – uh, they beat themselves, and also they're a team that's designed to take smart shots and make good plays. I mean, they shot 22% from the three-point line tonight, and they still found a way to win. Uh, 
they're going to have to improve their shooting, but I'm not counting Bennett out. And also, I don't think the expectation for Virginia was high coming into the season like it's been in the past. I think they'll figure it out, and I think they'll find a way, but they've got to improve their offense. When we look at the ACC, you guys are both ACC guys. Are we still viewing Virginia as like a top four team in this conference? Like, where, where did they rank? Because from an outsider's perspective, this kind of feels a little bubbly to me. Am I crazy for that, RC? Bubbly? No, I, I'm giving them that. They, they, they just I, – I told you, I'm not doing it. Now, I do understand. I can, I can agree with you because I think Clemson will be there in the end uh, at the top of the league. I've, I've been on record for saying that. I think Miami's good, obviously. Carolina and Duke will be there. So, But Virginia's that next team. Whether they're fourth or fifth, um, I, I think they fall in that pack. I'm not ready to say – Anyone below that list has passed. Okay. Tyler, are you on the same page? Yeah, I think they're four or five. I mean, borderline, I'm, I'm with RC. I think Miami's really good. Uh, also, I do believe in Clemson, just like you guys uh, do. And uh, I'm hoping Carolina's there at the end. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they, uh, they'll be there too. But, you know, Virginia to me is right after them. Okay. All right, always good to check in with our ACC experts here at the Field of 68. Uh, shout out to Terrence Oglesby, by the way, who uh, I think is still holding strong that the ACC is the strongest conference in college basketball. <laughs> hey, let's move to, uh, to Baylor, Oregon State. Baylor, decisive victory here, 88-72, to 72, never in doubt. They were up early. They carried the way the entire game. Uh, Jacoby Walter is the real deal. That's my only thing. That's my only note for this game. He had 24 points, five rebounds, three assists tonight. He had four three-pointers. I mean, obviously a program that has just developed guards better than arguably anybody in the country. Walter is next in line, and I, I think there's an argument he may be the best that's put on a Baylor uniform for Scott Drew. Tyler, am I crazy for thinking that might be the case with Walter? No, you're not. I mean, I, this guy has been going off, and he's been doing it consistently. Uh, but also the confidence and the – you know, Scott Drew, I give him a lot of credit. He gives his players a lot of freedom, especially the freshmen – uh, to come in there and get him up like that. But he is a special talent. Um, yeah, I'll put him up there. He's he's doing pretty good so far. Yeah. He's been special. I, I'm not putting him thing. up there until he wins a natty. He better win a natty before you put him up that list. <laughs> There's a national championship banner hanging in Baylor. And before y'all put that man on that list, he better deliver a damn natty. Nah, he's good. I'm giving y'all he's good. But Baylor has had some dudes. Like, stop playing with him. They done had dudes. Come on, man. Understood. 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 Listen, no disrespect. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, absolutely special. Uh, maybe maybe I should be separating out the categories, RC. Maybe we got a Keontae George category, and then we got a champions category, okay? Jacoby can rise up that one. Uh, in all seriousness, though, with Baylor, this team feels – kind of quietly undefeated right now. Is that crazy to say? They're 5-0, and oh, and I, I don't think anybody's talking about them. Maybe for good reason, maybe not. Like, they had the comeback win against Auburn to open the season, but ever since, they've just sort of coasted, and I don't want to count a Scott Drew team out. Like, when we talk about the best teams in the country, RC, should we be talking about Baylor? We will be, because we know they know how to, you know, we know the talent's there. I think this team's deeper than they've been in years past so they got a guy and, and I, I like his voice i thought george at times last year was trying to prove to everybody that he was really good 
at moments, and I thought they weren't as good defensively. I think they're, this team is a better on the defensive end of the floor, and they're going to find ways because they got options, and he doesn't have to carry this team. But I like I like this group. I, I like their depth. Yeah, I just it's crazy on paper to me to lose Adam Flagler, L.J. Cryer, yeah. Keontae George, all three of them, and just reload yes. and be five and zero with with four guards in double digits. Like it's it's crazy, and it's a testament to what Scott Drew has built over there at Baylor. Um, it, it, one other result I want to talk about tonight. This is uh, I'll call it what it is. I think it's less fun to talk about than Baylor, uh, but Wisconsin won against SMU tonight. This was a rocky game. They had to. They had to come from behind here. They only shot 20% from three as a team. And ultimately, they emerged with an eight-point victory against SMU. Uh, the Badgers, I don't know what to make of this team. Like, some games, they look like an offensive specimen. They scored 105 points in their opener. And then they've looked stuck in the mud in, in other games. Tyler, do you trust the Badgers? Are they, are they someone we should be talking about nationally right now? <laughs> I think they need to prove themselves a little bit more. I mean, they didn't have the best game today, but they found a way to win. Uh, they shot 20% from the three-point line. Uh, that's not going to win many ball games when you do that. But uh, I, I don't know if they deserve more national attention, but uh, I would like to see more of them and see them uh, get more wins. I mean, they are 4-2, and two, uh, but yeah. RC, what did you see? I – They've been inconsistent, I think, this year, but they've lost to, uh, I mean, losing to Tennessee or lost earlier and losing at in Providence isn't anything to be disappointed about. So we'll find out more when they get in the conference play if they're the real deal. I think there's, is of all the conferences, I think there's a lot of uncertainty in the Big Ten outside of Michigan State and Purdue. I think past those two teams, I, I, I think it's, I think it's wide open. You put Michigan State in that tier with Purdue? I I do because I, I have they played great? No, but we know they'll be there in a year. I think we, we I say I'll say this. We know they're in a tournament. And how oh, yeah. and what other team from the Big Ten can you tell me right now that you feel is definitely a tournament team right now after Michigan State? Illinois. That's it though. Uh, Illinois, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I'm just making sure. Look, so, but, so, me, so, but, but, well, we're not saying this is a three-bit league, right? But that, we're, we're wondering who the other. <laughs> that what we're saying? <laughs> hey, RC, no comment, my friend. If you want more from RC on how bad the Big Ten is, go over to Stadium, where we're going to be doing the last call. We'll be answering your questions for the next half hour for RC Tyler Hansbrough. We'll see you next time. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.